Is China heading for a recession? Let's have a look. Good evening everyone, Florian Heiser here and welcome to another episode of Heiser Says. Finishing off with my Stein and I thought we would have a look at this article from Forbes about China heading for a long growth recession and not necessarily because of the trade war. Now for Australia, China has a special place in our economic hearts. It is our biggest trading partner, uses a lot of our natural resources and we have a large portion of our international students coming from China. China is you know, a much more complex economy than Australia. 33rd in the world, we're 59th. Their exports are first and the imports are second in the world. Their GDP at the time of this data was 16,800 per person. You can see what they're exporting, a range of, well, manufactured products. Quite a contrast to Australia. And their imports, integrated circuits, crude petroleum, cars. You can see their nice trade balance. Well, the destinations, and number one is the United States, then Hong Kong, Japan, Germany, and South Korea. The origins, number one is the rest of Asia, South Korea, Japan, the United States, and then Germany. Australia doesn't even rank here. Where, where are we? 5.5% of the imports into China come from Australia. So let's jump and have a look at this article to get a bit of perspective. So China is headed for a long growth recession, not because of the trade war. China's economy is heading for a long growth recession, a period of declining economic growth. But don't blame the US-China trade war for it. Blame the way China has been trying to get rich in the post-Great Recession era. Now, this is quite topical, particularly for what they did to get rich and for what people are proposing that the Australian government has to do to stimulate the economy. There was a time China was building the right wealth, factories that produced competitive products and bridges and roads to connect cities and towns. These were investments that created job and income opportunities for the Chinese people, while they expanded the productive capacity of the economy. And that's just one thing to, to think about. Would you argue that the apartment boom has expanded the productive economy or productive capacity of the Australian economy? All the new apartments that have gone up, I guess with regards to maintenance and maybe gap filler, it has. China was also building homes and apartments where people could live and raise a family. So. That was back in the 1990s and early 2000s, before the Great Recession. It was a period when the entrepreneurial spirit of the Chinese people, rather than the bureaucratic spirit of the Chinese government, guided economic activity. China's economy was growing in double digits, helped by the imitation effect. That's a nice way of saying it. The copying and replicating of foreign technology from a favorable and from a favorable demographic pyramid. So essentially stealing IP, the imitation effect, yes. In the 1990s and early 2000s, the country enjoyed expanding access to foreign markets and technology, says Michael Berkeley in a recent article in Foreign Affairs. China was nearly self-sufficient in food, water, and energy resources. It had the greatest demographic dividend in history 
with eight working age adults for every citizen age 65 or over. Now, the issue that they're going to face is because of their one child policy, they're going to have a tremendous demographic issues moving forward. It's really biting them. It really is. Nowadays, China is still trying to build wealth, but it's doing it the wrong way by pursuing investments that do not raise the country's productivity, productivity capacity and growth potential. Like bridges and roads to nowhere, like factories that no longer produce competitive products, like apartments where nobody lives. Well, there you go. We've all heard of the ghost towns or ghost cities in China. If a country spends billions of dollars on infrastructure projects, its GDP will rise, says Beckley. But if those projects consist of bridges to nowhere, the country's stock of wealth will remain unchanged or even decline. This is the problem. And it all comes back to the broken window fallacy again. Simply put, bridges to nowhere have a multiplier effect. They create several rounds of jobs and income while the building takes place. But these bridges have no accelerator effect. They don't create any jobs and income once the building is over. They just waste the country's precious resources that could be used elsewhere. And that's interesting. It's like the example from this morning or yesterday when we were discussing the uh, interest only loans. And one gentleman who bought these houses in a mining town, fantastic returns, interest only, bought two of them, his retirement. But the issue was once the construction boom ended, the demand for rentals declined and well we know where that's headed we know the falls of property in those areas in Australia so they don't create any jobs and income once the building is over exactly that's why bridges to nowhere undermine the country's productivity and economic growth so would you think would you argue that some of the infrastructure projects that are being proposed for Australia for Brisbane, for Queensland, for the rest of the nation. You know, tunnels, very short tunnels that will have limited impact. The Cross River Rail, which will take years, if ever, to pay for itself. All Brisbane's tunneled infrastructure. You know, should the resources of the nation be better deployed to something else? To accumulate wealth, a country needs to increase its productivity, a measure that has actually dropped in China over the last decade. Practically all of China's GDP growth has resulted from the government's pumping capital in the economy. Subtract government stimulus spending, some economists argue, and China's economy may not be growing at all. Meanwhile, China has been building factories that practically duplicate each other, churning out similar products and engaging in a price war that eliminates profit, the fuel of capitalist production and capital accumulation. Then there's China's building of ghost cities owned by the country's new landlord class. They deprive its young citizens of a place to live and raise a family, as was discussed in previous pieces here. The bottom line is, in the post-Great Recession era, China is destroying rather than, rather than creating wealth, and that is expected to take its toll on the country's economic growth for years to come. So, it's an interesting perspective, guys, on China. 
where you know, the investment in infrastructure and we've seen more and more about it and the issue for well for Australia is that China is a very big trading partner of Australia and we'll just bring up Australia here for those that aren't familiar and we will have a look at the you know look at our complexity we're 59th in the world our exports are only 243 billion our imports are 199 billion now our iron ore coal petroleum and gold some of our biggest exports food as well if you add tourism and education that's the top 10 for our civilization for our nation look at everything that we're importing but here's the issue the destination the biggest for our exports is from china or to china our origin is also from china but 35 percent goes to china now if if China is heading towards a recession next year due to this rampant infrastructure building and this well, lack of investment in productivity, how is that going to flow through and affect Australia? We have to remember, guys, that you know here in Australia also, consumer confidence is heading down. Business confidence is heading down. You know, unemployment has remained steady, slightly tiny bit up on trend but this is the concern where this is heading anyway guys let me know what you think do you think china's heading to a recession is australia going to fall into the same traps how could we avoid a similar situation like share and subscribe and i'll talk to you all later take care